Hi everyone, I'm Susan Harrow, media coach, marketing strategist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. I'm also CEO of PRSecrets.com, and I want to welcome you to the Be A Media Darling podcast. Join us on BeAMediaDarling.com and PRSecrets.com, where you'll get free goodies and also the resources that we mention in each episode, as well as other delightful things that will help you shine in the media spotlight. On Fly Your Freak Flag Friday, gosh, that is so hard to say sometimes, and I think it's also super hard sometimes to be ourselves. That seems to be one of the hardest things that people find to do, but who else can we be? We'll discuss how to keep steady and be yourself during a radio, TV, or print, or podcast interview, or whenever you're in the spotlight or under pressure. I'll show you how to let your spirit and your personality shine through in any situation without selling your soul. So tune in every Friday for ways to stay original, keep your quirks, and live into what Dr. Seuss says, which is, why fit in when you were born to stand out? Our topic today is how to use speaking to sell licensed programs, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it works for both. My guest today, who I'm thrilled to have on, is Tommy Wolf, and she's CEO of Top Six Business Coach. She runs an international network of passionate, talented, entrepreneurial Top Six Coaches. She and her coaches are on a mission to make the lives of one-man businesses more abundant, fulfilling, and impactful. Clients hire top six business coaches for their no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-really-is systematic approach to helping clients create sustainable, lucrative businesses. So Tommy is also actively searching for talented entrepreneurs like you to join her rapidly expanding global coaching network. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. I want to give you her website so you can hop on over there ASAP, which is top six, the number six, business coach.com. And also, one of the things that you can get right away is her powerful ebook, which is eight crucial errors that trap talented business coaches in five figures. And that's top six business coach.com forward slash the number eight errors. That sounds really great. Because I think a lot of people, even if you're not at five figures yet, you know, this is still a great lesson to get to six figures. So don't be intimidated by that, even if you're not at five figures yet. So I invited Tommy on, I just met her the other day and was just sort of, I just sort of, what is it called? A girl crush. I have a girl crush on Tommy because <laughs> she's just so charming and, and amazing. So I wanted to have her on because she has done something that I think a lot of people want to do, which is license their programs. So we're going to talk a little bit about how she created a program that was licensable in such a way that it becomes in demand and that you can do it in such a way that's an integrity with yourself and really make a great living and do this kind of publicity that feels really good. So one of the things that I wanted to know about is part of the process that you went through to create and license your coaching program. Well, thank you, Susan, and thank you for spending this time with me. It's a topic I'm obviously passionate about because I spent a lot of time building our license program. And I'd most love to tell you roundabout now that I started with the end in mind and I'd always planned to do it, but nothing could be further from the truth, really. It was sort of serendipity that happened along the way. But I had been a business coach for many years and I was one of the lucky business coaches. I did really well. 
And what I noticed in my programs, and I wasn't very happy about this, is I had a lot of business coaches join my program and come and copy everything I was doing and then go out in the world and do very well. And I thought, well, I'm happy for them, and they were my clients. I'm happy they're doing well, but don't really like that all my good stuff's being copied. <laughs> so I decided, I'm a quick learner, but I decided, gosh, why don't I make, if this is really the people that are doing amazing in my program, why don't I make it easy for them and legal for them to really got what I, take what I have? So that was really what inspired me to actually take everything I'd learned to date and then help others become me, basically. That's hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious and horrible at the same time. But if you have something that people are copying, you may be ready to start licensing your programs because it means people want it. So I love that you took that as a compliment instead of ran out and tried to sue them all. You're like, okay, well, why don't I just give you a legal way to do this? And here's how it is. Explain a little bit to people who don't know what exactly licensing is and how it works and how that works with your program. Well, yes, and I've learned a lot about licensing in the process. Along the way, I've become a bit of a licensing expert as well. But I think that um, you should seriously consider licensing anytime you have got a technique or a product or a set of procedures or a method that is reliably producing $100,000 or more for somebody. So if you know how to help somebody make a six-figure income or more, it could be seven or more, that really is something that you might look at licensing because it's very lucrative for others and it's a very lucrative business model for the person who actually licenses. But it is hard to sell things. You know, It's not really worth licensing unless it's going to be something that's pretty appealing to the people that you're offering it to. But basically licensing, you know, the easiest way I can explain it is to compare it to franchising and it's not franchising. I'll tell you what the difference is. But everybody knows franchises because if I say McDonald's or Starbucks, you know that they've got a pretty reliable set of processes and products and sales techniques and floor layouts and real estate guidelines that they can give you that will make you pretty sure that your McDonald's or your Starbucks is going to be pretty successful. So franchising is something people are familiar with, and I would say just think McDonald's. Where licensing is very different to franchising, and I love it. It's got a couple of key differences, but licensing doesn't mandate that the people you sell the license to have to do everything your way. It allows them to add their own flexibility on top of it. It allows them to use it in their own way. But basically, you sell a platform where you have put together a known business in a box, if you like. You've got the sales method, you've got the content itself, you've got the training on how to use it. And people would buy it to remove risk from their own business. I mean, clearly when all of us are entrepreneurs, Susan, right? So when we started, we took on so much risk, right? Yeah. So the whole point of licensing is don't take on all that risk. Let somebody else figure out things the hard way like Susan and I did. <laughs> and we did and we paid in blood and sweat and tears for that, right? So that's the main reason to buy both a franchise and a license, but they have a couple of differences and the license is much more flexible, usually vastly more affordable as well. You know, expensive licenses for brands like McDonald's are going to be very expensive. They're not going to be in the tens of thousands, they're going to be in the multiple hundreds of thousands. So 
So a licensing program is different than franchising because you give people all of these different methodologies that are proven, everything from, you said, sales content, training on how to use it, so they don't have to take the risk because it's proven. It's something that's already made you or someone else hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's a proven methodology. And then they can put their own spin on it. They can put their own personality on it. So it's your proven methodology, but they can then make it their own and do that in such a way that's proven. And I know you told me a little bit when we were just talking casually about your program, but I'd like our audience to know like how much a program usually runs for. And then you were telling me about, you know, kind of how it works for you behind the scenes. And I'd love if you wouldn't mind outlining some of that, like what are some of the things that people will learn and the things that you've already done for them, like the sales process. And then I'll get into in just a few minutes about how you actually publicize that and get people into your programs and even get trainers to train your programs. Okay, yes. Well, I think that, you know, what we've actually put into our license really comprises of about three things. And when I started licensing, I thought it was only one, but I realized very rapidly there's three major things that we give our licensed clients. First and foremost, one of the reasons I was a good business coach is because I had put together a very comprehensive curriculum that was perfect for my clients. And some people love for making curriculum, some people hate it. I happen to be very good at it. This is right in my zone of genius. But nonetheless, it was hard, hard work. And it took me a long time to come up with a really good curriculum. Because you know what? And you all know this, Susan, but most people who create curriculum do it all wrong. They create the curriculum in a vacuum. They don't have a lot of clients yet. They then go and sell it. It's completely the wrong thing. So that's why most offerings go down the tubes. <laughs> what I think the reason mine worked well is because we really developed it slowly. I mean, I started off doing a lot of one-on-one coaching and I could see up close and personal here's what my clients were struggling with so there was a lot of care put into our curriculum my market by the way is one man businesses that's who we coached who I coached so one man services businesses was our market so we put together an extraordinarily good curriculum and we figured out how to deliver it because we could technically deliver the curriculum in three weeks if we had to But what we realized is our clients absolutely can't implement it that fast. They need more like a year. So we actually run the curriculum over a year. So the first thing that I put into my license box, if everybody listening could just imagine a great big box and we're building our license, the first thing we put in it was our curriculum. So that was 10 great modules of content. It had an online component as well that we were already running. And then also the how to deliver this. And the how-to has ended up being huge because I made a lot of mistakes, honestly. There were lots of things I tried that didn't work, and the things that did work are really what we put into the box. So the how-to, we estimate that we save the average business coach about five years of hard lessons. So we teach them everything. It took us five years to learn. We teach them that in a year which is a huge business benefit, right? When you think how much time you waste going down rabbit holes and trying to just figure things out. No, I think that's really great. I remember hearing Frank Kern, you know, the famous internet marketer saying, the only thing that you need to be a consultant or a coach is to be one step ahead of the people that you're coaching. But you, and you've got something licensing, now you are five years ahead, which provides way more value than just being one step ahead. Well, what's quite interesting is we've watched our coaches, because I mean, there are a gazillion business coaches. You know, we just come back from at running an event in Atlanta 
And I just happened to have this number in my head because we researched, but there are almost 2,000 business coaches in Atlanta. That's a lot. Wow. So that's going to be your competition, right? Yeah. But because the coaches that we now have in Atlanta have got a licensed program, they automatically step into the top 6% that actually would have, A, lasted five years and B, done well over those five years. So they start off with a lot more than they would have otherwise. But that's the advantage of a license. You start off in a mature, seasoned place with all the bugs and problems worked out and you know and I had I mean it may be interesting <laughs> to share with you as an example here one of the big problems that I worked out yeah I'd love to hear them yeah and then we'll go on to two and three because you said three major things but yes I'd love to hear the problems so we're still on number one curriculum but one of the things that I you know they always say pride comes before a fall yes yes and unfortunately that's true in my case <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it yes but I remember I was running a live event and we were trying to sell coaching programs and the first year I was so proud of myself I was hoping to have my first six-figure year I wanted to sell six figures from the stage because you always hear about this in the market right so I was really hoping to have a hundred thousand dollars worth of sales and on the third day I ran to the bathroom during an exercise and I actually met my mom in the bathroom I always used to have her work the back tables for me you had yeah. your mom work the back my tables? My mom, absolutely. Get out! This is in the days where I didn't have staff yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> so my mom was about the best person I had to trust. But I passed her in the bathroom and I said to her, how are we doing on sales? Because, you know, they come in on the last day. And she said, we just passed a quarter of a million. And I remember having this amazing moment where all the blood rushed out of my head and then came back in. And I've got this cute little picture I sometimes share of me walking back on stage, feeling like the hottest woman on the planet. I was so proud of myself. And that was my pride moment. And the fall came the next year because what I didn't know at the time is I had massively oversold private coaching. So I put in so many hours of private coaching into the package that I was selling that my next year I took a huge income dive and I had to work like crazy woman herself to deliver everything I'd sold. And these are the real life bugs. So the next year my income took a big dip. So what do you think it did to my programming? I immediately changed it so that I would never, ever, ever have that problem again. But these are the kinds of issues that you can remove when you license something because people are going to walk into the same trap I did. You know, you don't realize how quickly one-on-one coaching becomes absolutely undeliverable. So we've fixed that problem in the license box. And so that's what I mean by ironing out problems, a good curriculum and how to deliver it. So that's thing one in the box. So really what you're saying was so exciting and you were having a big income boost, but it was all dependent on you delivering the one-on-one coaching. And what you're talking about is how to deliver programs and group coaching to other people and to do it in such a way that it's simple and and you're not spending all of your time on -on one-on-one. So you've got number one is the comprehensive curriculum. What's number two? Number two is actually how do you sell whatever it is that you're licensing? I mean, I sold business coaching and being the sort of person I am, I tried everything. I tried absolutely everything. So we always teach there are about 20 methods that are working pretty well right now in the industry. And we got over 90% of our clients from four methods. So that has value. I mean, most people would love to know what those four methods are, right? Yes, I was just going to ask you, can you tell? But you probably won't. No, I will. I think we're going to talk about at least two of them today. So that'll get you a long way down the road, Susan. Okay, (laughs) okay. Yeah, that obviously has value when you license, right? Is you can actually show people this is what worked for me. Because they probably don't want to spend their time and money on all 20. They probably want to use just the four. So that's the other thing in the box is how do you actually sell this thing? And then the last thing in the box is we put together 
amazing training. And I did not know I would have to do this when I licensed, but I figured it out fast enough. We put together amazing training for our licensees on how do you actually use the license system so that you really, really can accelerate your business forward five years in about a year. So the training is also invaluable. It's probably some of the best work I've ever done because it came late career. And you know what's also been amazing about the training, Susan? Tell me. So I've always had clients. But with my licensees, we're partnered financially. So if they do well, I do well. So what I particularly love about the training I've provided my licensees is that it's really in my best interest to do an extraordinarily good job of training them because I will gain if they do well. And I've never had that situation in a business before where I literally gain financially when my clients do well. It's a very healthy way to work. I think that's really nice and very ethical because there's so many programs out there where the person who's created the program does really well, but it's not duplicatable. So what you're talking about is it's duplicatable, you make it duplicatable, and you Mm -hmm. only profit when someone has understood that and really been able to carry out what you've trained them for. And I think people would be curious about, if you don't mind talking about the financial commitment, if you do, no worries. But I think people would like to know what's involved in that and then what they would need to do to be successful. And then we'll talk about how to actually promote a program once you've created it. Yeah. So obviously, I've got a pretty guaranteed method of helping people get into multiple six figures. It's just to position everything. We would expect our business coaches to make 149000 as the average in year one. And we would expect within a three to four year period, depending on how motivated they are, they'd be running a three hundred and fifty to 500k business. So that's really what our expectations are. And what they would put in in terms of licensing fees is it's the greater of, so just remember this, these words, it's the greater of 24000 a year or 20% of their revenue. Mm-hmm. So it has a minimum on. I'm not getting anybody in my life's work for less than that. <laughs> yes. but, but for the 20%, many of them who do really well are going to actually end up paying quite a bit more than that. But I know for a fact they're really happy to because we have those coaches with us today. That's wonderful. So they pay a minimum of the 2000 a month. And if they do better, the faster they do better, the more they pay you and the better they're doing. So they're happy to do that because they're doing so well. Exactly. And then how long does a licensing, like let's imagine someone starts with you in the first year, they do the 100000 and then they go up. How long do they typically stay in the program so you continue to get that income? Well, you know, I don't know is a simple answer because I've only been doing it for a couple of years now, but I have my original coaches coming back for their third year. So I know that much and we've got an 83% return rate, which I'm beyond proud of because I always feel like somebody can, they know all my warts at this point. There's no surprises. They've been in the program. They know what we are, what we stand for, what we've got, but they still come back. So that's actually one of my huge success metrics is how many people are coming back. And I would love to think that these amazing people that I call my coaches would stay with me forever. So my goal is to provide such value that they wouldn't think of leaving. And in some ways, I I almost feel like we're a family. You know, we just get close. It's it's a different situation to having clients that you're not financially invested with. And how have you gotten them to stay for three years? Because once they've gone through the program, 
what else do they need from you? Let's say they've gone through the year. Well, that's a good question. So there's a couple of things that happen in the second year. I mean, first of all, they love the program and they don't want to have to go and develop their own because developing curriculum is hard work. So many of our coaches just don't want to do that. But I think more importantly, in their second year, we give them advanced curriculum so they can keep their clients and take them into a more advanced level. We also share some very advanced content and techniques like how to run live events because we just know that that's amazing for getting coaching clients. So I literally give them the stuff that took me years to put together when I ran events. And then the last thing we do for them from year two onwards, assuming they're doing well, is we allow them to bring in their own coaches so they can sub-license. And it's just a ridiculously good model. What I love is it's a win for everybody. And you know, there's that little sweet spot, Susan, where I win because I'm expanding. My coaches win because they just set up a business way faster than any business coach could on their own. Their clients win because they get a coach that has amazing resources and knowledge and skills straight out the gates. So just everybody wins. And then what I particularly love is the sub-licensing. Actually, can I tell you a story? It might help people see why sub-licensing is so good. Yeah, I would love to hear it. And then I really want to understand it too, how that works. But yes, yes, I'd love to hear your story. I have an amazing man in my life now, but I didn't always. In my grown-up dating years, which you probably don't want to hear about in your podcast, one of the men I dated when I was a business coach was a financial advisor. And we were out on a date and he was telling me about his business model. And he said to me, but you know, as long as I don't screw anything up too badly for my clients, they just stay with me and their portfolios are growing and growing and growing. So every year I get more and more money from those clients. I've just got to look after them well. So each year I just add new clients. And I remember thinking, man, that's good because I'm losing my clients and I'm going out and working my buns off to go and find a whole new set of clients. And it was actually somewhere between that date and various other things that happened in the universe. Our mutual friend Nancy connected me with somebody, but I realized how incredibly powerful a model is where you don't have to keep going and getting clients every year. So one of the main reasons I wanted to license was so that I could keep people and I work hard for my coaches. I'm a really good business partner for them. And so far, they do want to keep me around at least three years. (laughs) We'll see how long I can keep that going. But I can see the value we provide them. It would cost them more than what they're paying me to do it themselves because I can leverage across, you know, we now have 21 coaches, I think. So I can leverage at my costs across all of them. So it's cheaper for me to do for them than for them to go and do it on their own. So it's a beautiful win-win situation. I love it. Coming back to the sub-licensing is what I give my coaches in year two is the ability to sub-license themselves so they can go and recruit coaches and, you know, bring them in and provide the customer service. But it allows them that repeating revenue model, which is hard to find in coaching. So what they do when you say they sub-license, the coach can't then license your material to them what she's training or he's training without giving you a piece of it. It's like they've learned your methodology, but they can't just go and start training other coaches and keep them all to themselves because you created the original program. Right. So what happens is I split it down the middle with my coaches. And I still handle all the training of their coaches. They just do the customer support. I don't want to talk to their coaches, but I will train them. So it's still a a partnership where, you know, the training is comprehensive. They probably don't want to do it. They probably don't have time to get on top of all of that. So it's still an amazing win-win. 
And I think yes. some of my more mature coaches at this point are kind of, that's all they'd like to do. They're like, forget about the business coaching. I've done it <laughs> a couple of years now. Right now, I'm just going to concentrate on giving it to coaches. So. so part of the business model, too, is when you said you want to keep them, is you're developing new things to make it easier and easier for them or giving them more advanced techniques so they will stay with you so they can increase and hone their skills and then they can develop their own programs or bring someone into yours. Exactly. And so far, my coaches really, they don't really spend a lot of time developing their own programs because our program is good enough and their sure. fastest income comes from going out, finding clients and delivering it. So the system itself is beautiful already. Yeah, and I just want to say this can work for any industry. We're talking about coaches now because that's Tommy's area of expertise. And if you are a coach and you can find out if you have what it takes to become a high earner business coach at businesscoachquiz.com. And as Tommy and I were talking, if you would like to get into her program, that is top6businesscoach.com. And if you want to opt in to find out about the eight crucial errors that trap talented business coaches in five figures, that's top6businesscoach.com forward slash eight errors. So just know that we're going to put all of this at beamediadarling.com. So you'll have these links there. But also know that when I've talked about numbers, the six and the eight, they're the actual numbers. They're not spelled out. So the other thing I wanted to know is everybody always wants to know about promoting their programs because you spent all of the time developing your programs. You've got the curriculum. You have how to sell what you're licensing, the 20 methods, and then the four methods that 90% of your business comes in because of those four methods. And then the training for licensees and how you partner with them financially so they can accelerate their business in one year in what would ordinarily take five. And you were talking about how to run live events, which is something that's been super successful for you to get in their own coaches to sub-license. So I'd love to hear about that. How do you run live events and how do you then recruit coaches for your program? Yeah, it's interesting because I think like so many entrepreneurs, I don't love sales. I just don't. You know, I think I'm basically, although I think I've got good people skills and I'm relatively articulate and people are usually surprised when I say this, I am introverted. You know, I'm fine going out, but I need my space and I like to be alone and that's how I recharge. So endless networking and things like that are exhausting for me. And I very rapidly in my early days as a coach figured out that wasn't going to be how I got clients. It just took too much out of me. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I deep and passionately believe is that, and I know this is very much what you stand for, Susan, is you don't believe in the slick salesperson at all. You know, you really want to be able to sell in a way that feels comfortable and ethical and, you know, gels with your own sense of who you are. Absolutely. And I think, you know, most people say that they can't stand. There's very few people who say that they love selling. Most people who are not comfortable touting their own horn or even creating their offers, whether it's publicity or selling. So I think that's still, much as there's tons of courses and everything out that, I still think that it's sort of innate, especially for introverts, that they don't want to do it. But you're an introvert who speaks. How does that work? Well, I do speak. My core belief is I have no identity as a salesperson. If somebody said I was in sales, I would argue with them. But I've run three companies now, so clearly I can sell. But my core belief is that relationships trump sales every time. Yes. And because people are people, it's in our DNA. We're wired to deal with people. We're wired to be able to look in someone's eyes and stop selling and start building real meaningful relationships with people who you can really help. 
But having said that, I don't want to spend the time as an introvert going out networking and doing it the slow way. I needed something that was a little bit faster, a faster way to build relationships. So in my head, there's absolutely no doubt at all that being able to get yourself onto a stage, whether it's a three-day event or a 30-minute talk, to me, is just a continuum of how much time you get. But in terms of building relationships, I mean, you think about it, you come out, you're the expert. So you have all the know, like, and trust credibility is almost given to you before you open your mouth. Then everybody's got to shut up and listen to you for however long. (laughs) But I just love being able to stand in front of audiences simply because it builds relationships so easily and well. And especially for me as an introvert, it allows me a little bit of space. You know, somehow it's easier for me to stand on stage for a couple of hours than it is for me to go network for a couple of hours because it's just a little bit of distance. perspective. Yeah, and I feel like I'm probably not the only person telling you that high-priced offerings, and I think a 24K minimum probably falls into the high-priced offering category. But I don't know anybody who's selling high-priced offerings, you know, mass or in bulk or easily that isn't actually getting themselves out speaking or running live events. They're all amazing. One of the things that you're saying is that speaking on stage gives you that kind of credibility of the no like trust. And then also it gives you a little bit of distance. So as an introvert, the one-on-one at a networking event is much slower and more laborious where you've already got all of that speaking from the stage. And then do you make your offer from the stage? I mean, are you selling it right then and there from the stage? You know, I have and it works and I don't usually do that anymore, Susan. Really? You know, the event I was mentioning earlier where we sold a quarter million, yes, we absolutely made an offer from stage. And there's advice I can give people on how and when to do it. But it's a function of how much time you have on stage because it's really just a question of people getting to feel like they know you, have enough time to feel like they know your heart, and they can see that you're credible and you've had enough time to demonstrate all of that, sure, you can go ahead and make an offer from the stage. If you haven't, like if you've had a one-hour talk or a half-an-hour talk, I'd never dream of doing something at that sort of price point. But if I'd been on stage for two or three days, I definitely could. But interestingly enough, I don't. And the reason why is because I've become really fussy about who becomes a coach, who I want my license with, because it's such an intimate arrangement in a way. And there's branding considerations. And so I would actually really like to meet these people and have a chance to interview them, (laughs) not the other way around, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how does that work? Like you speak from the stage, you speak from the stage, but you're not necessarily selling, but they know that you've got a program. So then they come up to you afterwards and you start to determine, do you have a structured interview process or is it more casual when you're meeting someone you can kind of tell if they're right for your program or not no it's pretty structured and we're pretty fussy about because to me there's a big difference between speaking and a one to three day event let's assume i've had one to three days at that point i feel like i've had enough time to really be able to demonstrate what i do and i feel like they've had enough time to get to know me so what i at that point i would actually show them what our program is yes And I would really just say to them, guys, if you feel this is right for you, I would love to talk with you. You can go and find Sam at the back of the room. He's got a little sign-up sheet. We're going to be in town for the next two days. I've opened up my calendar. I'd love to meet with you privately. Here's the hotel lobby where I'll meet you, et cetera. Go and sign up for your slots. There's only eight of them or whatever. And we've just found that having the sign-up sheet right there at the event is very effective for actually getting people to do it quickly. And I would rather do that and get a chance to sit down with them because my days of selling something to somebody where it's not right for them or me are just over a long time ago. 
So I really want to make sure that A, they're a good fit and they're right, and B, that I want them in the program and we're all going to work together. So I actually want to meet them afterwards. Yeah, so what you're saying is that if you're doing a longer event, that people really get a feel for you and they know how you teach and they get a sense of the content of what you would be teaching. So they have a pretty good idea if you if they want to be in relationship with you and then you can tell whether they're the right person for your program too because you've now kind of got a profile of a successful coach, I imagine. Correct. So now one thing I want to add about these one to three days, I also feel like there's a whole bunch of people in the audience that will not want to walk forward with you. And that's fine too, by the way, because this isn't for everybody. I'm really fussy about the fact that they better get amazing content. The time they've spent with you better be really worth their while. I really hate the kind of the pitch fest where everybody's, where it's a complete waste of time and everybody feels like it wasn't what they wanted and the day was a waste. So we're very careful when we do run events to give out amazing content, whether or not you want to work with us, that the event was just really, really well worth your while. And I just feel like that's an integrity thing for the people that have given. These days, it's not what you pay to be at the event, but I'm busy enough that giving up two days of my life for somebody is a huge gift to them. So (laughs) it'll be worth my while. So I think that's an important point to just add. Yeah, of course. I mean, I sort of had assumed that for you about not being a pitch fest, that you're there really delivering amazing content and to not be discouraged if it's not right for someone because you have no idea where they are in that process or what they came for. And they may have gotten exactly what they came for and they may not be right for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But if it does sound like this is something that you're interested in, that Tommy is right from you, because you can hear her style and you can tell what kind of person she is, then I would encourage you to go to top6businesscoach.com. And that's top, the number six, businesscoach.com, which is Tommy's website. And also you can get her powerful ebook, Eight Crucial Errors That Trap Talented Business Coaches in Five Figures. And that's the same URL, top6businesscoach.com forward slash eight errors. I'm also wondering about, so now we've talked about, you know, what a licensing program is, what is comprised of, one of the ways to promote it. And then you were going to share one other way that gives you over the 90% of your coaches. So speaking at events is one. And if you would share the other one, and then you're going to keep two of them secret. No, I'm, I'm really happy to share them, but I'm sure I don't need to keep them secret. The, the secret's always in how do you actually do them, right? It's not in what they Yes, have, so. that's true. But yes, so one of them is running live events. And generally, the more time, the better. This, that's what we speak about. One to three days is great. Three days is easier than one day just because people have time to get to know you. Our other big method is just speaking, getting out there and speaking. And the funny thing is that with speaking, we generally don't make an art. So I'm talking, this is the easiest way to speak. You Generally, you get the 30, 40, 60 minutes on somebody else's stage. It's a great way for getting out to a lot of other audiences. Because bear in mind, when we have events, we have to fill them. So it's generally an audience that we've already got some connection with. Whereas when you're speaking, you can stand on other people's stages and so your reach becomes much higher. So that's just powerful. But we generally wouldn't go into the product or what we're licensing in the talk because it's usually just too little time for the price point we're working at. So what we'll often do at those live talks, either sell an event ticket to our live events or we will go straight into private meetings with us. So while you're speaking, you'll either sell a ticket into the private one to three day event? Yes. Oh. And if we don't have an event coming up soon, then we'll just offer for them to meet with us directly. 
So I will do either or never both at the same time. I see. So it's a choice of the event or to have a private consult with you right then and there when they're at the conference. I never do it at the conference, honestly, because I'm too adult, but we normally just clear the next day's worth of calendar. What's really working for us well right now is to have a sign-up sheet at the back of the room. And I have my staff, people literally going and say, yep, I'm free for breakfast or I'm free at four o'clock and they sign up and they just give us their name and email and we'll call them the next day. So the thing's just set up on the moment. I see. So your coaches or you are either meeting them in person at another day of that particular conference or another time on the phone? Exactly. I prefer the face-to-face just because it's always more powerful than phone and remote. So I often, if I'm traveling, I'll say, I'm in town tomorrow, let's meet. Otherwise, I'll do it on the phone next week or something like that. Do you find it's a different close rate when you're on the phone than it is in person for a program such as yours? That's a good question. Actually, I've never been asked that before, Susan. It's a good question. I don't find a difference when I'm sitting down and had a chance to meet me and look me in the eye and get to know me. I don't see a difference whether we're on the phone or live. I'll tell you where I see a massive difference. And I don't know if people in the industry want to hear this. They probably don't. But me standing live on a stage in front of 100 people has a three to four times higher conversion rate than me on a webinar with 100 people. Really? And it's hard to understand because I definitely put my webcam on. But I just think there's something about human beings and the way we're wired that we are. I've just often noticed that it's much easier for me to get clients in the flesh. And none of us want this because we want to be able to work behind our PCs where it feels a bit safer. But being in the flesh really makes a difference. Yeah, it's really a difference in the energy, I think, you know, in the energetic, even though you're on a webinar and you feel close, it's not the same thing as being in an audience with a lot of other people responding and feeling and getting the sense of you, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder if it's maybe a proof of, because, you know, social proof is one of the reasons people make decisions. Sure. And I think watching a whole bunch of other people loving what you've got and raving about you actually provides a bunch of social proof that might be missing. On a webinar, I don't really know what it is. I've really studied it, but I have noticed a three times less sales because you're on a webinar. So that's a big jump. That is a big jump. And that's an important point. And I'm wondering, do you do any kind of promotion or publicity online for this as well? Well, I'm probably going to be totally zigging while everybody else is zagging here. And you don't know a lot about my coaching program, Susan, but we are known for being live, local and lucrative. <laughs> And the reason why is because this is one of the things I give my coaches is they get to be the superstar in their own backyard where it's super easy to get clients. But I had this moment and I started off like every other entrepreneur today. I was marketing on the internet like crazy. And I was in my backyard in Boulder, Colorado. And I actually ran two programs, a live one and a virtual one. And there was this moment where I was doing, a, you know, the 80-20 Pareto principle exercise of my business like any good business coach would from time to time. And I counted up where my clients were coming from. And I was kind of shocked to realize that I had 84 local clients for every 16, one six I was getting online. Hmm. Now, the 80-20 rule would tell you stop doing the thing that's giving you the 16 entirely. And I never stopped doing the online thing, but it really just shook me up a little bit as if to say if there's that much low-hanging fruit in my backyard, I need to go and pick that fruit and get really, really good at it because it was quick and easy and fast and inexpensive and honestly, 10 times the fun, even for an introvert. (laughs) So when we start our coaches, one of our little secret sources here is we start them in their own backyards. 
because it's quick and easy for them to go and get into six figures that way. Once they've got everything sorted out and they're running and they're making money, absolutely go and expand online. It's a really good idea. But I question whether it's the smartest way to start. I've had so many entrepreneurial friends start online. And our eight errors document, which I think you've given them the resource code for, eight errors that trap coaches, one of those eight errors is really they get started online too soon. And I go through a very fascinating little numbers expose, but I show them the math, you know. You're somebody who's got a huge list, but I can't believe how many entrepreneurs have got 400 people on their list. And they're trying to get them to come to webinars and do promotions and write complex autoresponders. And it's a complete waste of time if you don't have a substantial list like you do, right? Yeah. And I started offline because I was teaching at the Learning Annex. I had a little piece of paper where I would have people write down their name and email address. And then first it was me inputting all of that. Then when I got an assistant, because they didn't even have those automated card things yet where you could scan a card or anything that wasn't invented yet. So I did it by hand or then I faxed it to my assistant who had to enter it in by hand in the beginning. So that's how it sort of started was, like you said, in-person training in my own backyard at the Learning Annex or for local. I was speaking at local authors, the Authors Guild or ASJA. Thank you, Susan, for sharing that. Because, I mean, now you're a big name online and everybody knows that. But it's not really where people start. It's where they finish. (laughs) You know, and I think people forget that when they're starting a business. I think there's huge value in being able to go and look your potential client in the eye and do your elevator speech and watch them show zero interest. (laughs) Because it's very hard to mimic that online and get that same sort of feedback, right? I think that's really true. And by the way, I started with coaches. Speaking at like the Coach Federation, but also a local coaches organization invited me to speak. And see, they already had the audience. So I didn't have to draw the audience. And same with the Learning Annex, which is, I think, a kinder way to start where people who already have an audience invite you, whether it's an organization or a federation like the Coaches Federation or a teaching facility or whatever that can bring in those students and do that publicity for you. Because I know that, you know, doing a big live event for your own, you do have to have some power to recruit or some strategies to get people into the room. You do. And it's one of the things people do wrong is they try and run live events before their footprint's big enough. So if anybody listening, please don't do that. You have to get to a certain size before you've got any hope of being able to fill your, your events. If you can't fill the free ones, you probably can't fill the paid ones either. So use that as a guide. But you do have to be a certain size and footprint before you'll get that technique right. Yeah, and I think there's other ways to do it. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I know that some of my very successful motivational speaking clients have used like a radio tour or where they're going to be in a certain city to help fill the free event that then goes to the paid event. And they do that per city. So they had a night where it would be a couple of hours free event. And then that free event is, like you said, they give very valuable information. Then they're offering the paid event from that free event that may happen either the next day or a month from now when they may be back in that city. That's the perfect way to do it is go from free to paid. And we've actually spoken a little bit about that. But, you know, when I'm speaking on somebody else's stage for free, we give amazing, because our seekers always give amazing content, you know, be amazing, because that's very enticing to people. And at that point, we've earned the right to sell them at something, a ticket. So I love the model of free to paid. Going directly to paid, in many ways, is just greedy. It's not allowing people a chance to get to know you. So people just go too fast. 
But I remember what I was going to say to you. One of the challenges I've had since I used to run in the backyard is I'm now looking for coaches all over the globe. So I'm having to learn to sell out of state, <laughs> which has been oh. different for us. So, yes, we've definitely been yanking some of those different levers. Like, you know, I haven't used the radio ads, but I think I'll try it. No, they're not ads. They weren't ads. It's just radio appearances. Oh, radio appearances. Okay. I've got it. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just doing publicity radio and local TV in that place where you are. So you set that up ahead of time and then you can promote your event while you're there, you know, same day. Yeah, I should probably consult with you. You could probably teach me so much about this, I'm sure. (laughs) But really what we have done similarly is we've had to go and do a couple of things that we don't do in our own backyard. And this is the third technique that's one of our top four, is we do go and meet the strategic alliances, the movers and shakers really in each town we're going to. So we'll go and find the best connected people, the people that are best connected with our audience. And we'll tend and befriend. I mean, those are relationships we really want to nurture. We want to figure out what we can do for them, et cetera. And when we build those well, then they're very able to help us run successful events in those towns. So you said tend and befriend. That's such a nice phrase. I just feel like with Strategic Alliance, my definition of them is somebody who has huge access to your audience. And our only motivation with them is actually befriend them to try and form deep friendships. I always have a rule, you don't ever sell to these people. You always look for what you can do to help them. But, you know, the human nature is to reciprocate, right? Yeah, that's such a nice thing. So you're offering the deep friendship and you're offering something first before you ask them for anything. But you're not doing it like as a strategy. You're doing it as a real relationship builder, which I think is the difference in intention, you know, because there's some people just want the strategic alliances so they can sell. But you're saying that you're really tending and befriending and really creating a long-term relationship first. And then if they can help you later, if they want to, as a reciprocal thing, they will because they have the access to your audience. And let me ask you a question about that too. Do you then offer them a monetary reward for doing that? Or is it more you're each helping each other whenever you can? Do you know, not usually. And the reason is because I think I'd probably be happy to. I think we usually don't because they're usually in positions where they don't really feel comfortable taking it. So they're often heads of chambers and things like that. Where really is their job to be doing stuff like this? Where we feel it's appropriate, we will do that. But I've honestly come to be a little bit cautious about doing because many people are just, they just don't want it. So it can make some people very awkward and then some people absolutely love it. So we just like to meet people where they are. Many people, it is their business model to do affiliate marketing for them. And I'm incredibly respectful of that. And I'm really happy to play in that place. But I wouldn't assume everybody wants to or is able to. Yeah, I think that's true. My publicist, who was my publicist for my radio tour in Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, she says, just take me out to lunch. I mean, she sent me clients and publishers, you know, to media train their authors. And no, she will not accept anything in return other than me trading her to lunch. Well, and we love to treat people. So we often don't ask. We just send them something. And I love weekends away. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. You love weekends. For anybody out there listening, she loves weekends away. Yeah, there you go. So something like that's just a fun thing to be able to do. So I don't want to do nothing, but I I just think it works nicely both ways. That's great. That is great. So to reach Tommy, it's top6businesscoach.com. And to get that eight crucial errors that trap talented business coaches in five figures, it's top6businesscoach.com forward slash eight errors. Both are numbers. 
And then you can also take the quiz called businesscoachquiz.com to see if you have what it takes to become a high earning business coach. And I encourage you, if you are a coach and you are interested in fast tracking your business and really learning those kinds of things without having to make all the mistakes yourself to jump on in to Tommy's wonderful program, as you can hear the kind of teacher that she is and how thorough she is in creating that program and that her coaches are, what did you say? You have 21 coaches and they've stayed for three years, which is pretty remarkable track record. It's lovely. We're proud of it. They haven't all been with me for three years. They didn't all start because we've been adding to the program all along, but it's my first wave, if you like, having now been with me for three years. That's really wonderful. That is really wonderful. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to add? I think I probably just need to not leave it dangling and just mention method number four. <laughs> oh, so we are going to go to four. I thought you were only going to tell us two of the four. No, no, no. I think I'm going to just go through all of oh, them. Okay, so, all right. I'm all for that. Number one was running live events. It was definitely my favorite. Number two is speaking on other people's stages because of the outreach. Number three is finding strategic alliances because there are probably 10 people on this planet that could massively change your game from a business perspective. And you want to tend and befriend those people. If you don't know them today, I wouldn't be in any way cowed by that, but there's a gazillion good ways to go meet somebody that you don't know. And I would make the effort for the 10 people that can really change your world. And then number four is the one that I personally won't do, but it's networking. And I do feel like a powerful network is every single person I know has who's really successful, has a powerful network. They may not go to networking meetings, but they have a really powerful Rolodex of amazing human beings, and they're very willing to give as much as they get, or preferably more. Well, that's how we met. It is indeed exactly how we met, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nancy Jutton connected us, and then we had a chat on the phone, and we've already worked with the mentor that I'm going to be working with, and I just wanted to chat about your experience about that and how you got into licensing, and then I invited you on this podcast. Yes, and it's interesting because we just started off meeting each other and nobody had any agenda, so that's exactly how it normally goes. It's generally just, you know, amazing people meeting each other, and that's all you're really hooking up for. So, so I'd like to, if, if we're getting near the end, Susan, probably I just want to reiterate my feeling that relationships are always going to trump sales. And that's really one of the reasons we love these techniques, speaking and events for helping sell high-priced offerings, in this case, licenses. I love it. And I love that, you know, tend and befriend. That's a wonderful, wonderful phrase that I'm going to be quoting you on because I really like that. But also relationship trump sales. And I think that's something that sometimes people forget in the frenzy of trying to make money. I very much so. You know, and that it goes back to what you were saying is that you seem to have the most impact when you actually meet someone face to face. And that's not to say that online marketing doesn't work because it obviously does. But to put in the mix somewhere where you can meet people in person and really whether it's on the stage with someone else's stage, whether it's on your stage to get them to really be able to have the sense of you in person right? Exactly. I think you summed that up really nicely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest. It was really lovely. And I think that people will feel very encouraged to either create a licensing program of their own or to jump on in to your licensing program. Best way to learn how to do something is to go through somebody else's program who's done it, right? So you can have an example of that too. Absolutely. But if people do want to talk with me about licensing, I'm quite open to that as well. I've learned a lot. <laughs> so that's really good lovely. To share. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Susan. Thanks so much for having me. Hop on over to BeAMediaDarling.com for any of the resources that we mentioned in this episode and also for free goodies. You'll also find over there some surprises because I would love to be able to delight you. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Be A Media Darling podcast with me, Susan Harrow. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember, speak your mind, stand your ground, sing your song. I look forward to meeting you.